Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Since then, the Eagles made the playoffs, got eliminated in the divisional round, 
and they've made a slew of off-season moves. So to start us off, how would you rate what they've done overall in terms of free agency, trades, and the draft between February and May? Well, I'll tell you, Joe Douglas and Howie Roseman, I think, are doing a tremendous job. I'd give them uh, either a high B-plus or an A-minus on what they've done. Even the fact that they brought back Wisniewski uh, as a backup guard tells me a lot about they knew that he probably wouldn't get picked up. They knew that they could get him for a million and a half dollars. I mean, they're really, uh, you know, playing the, the game as bad as well as you can play it. Uh, the big question is the quarterback situation. I think they're a little concerned about Carson Wentz being a perennial, you know, injury-prone kind of guy. And um, uh, we'll see what happens there. As you can see, they they uh, picked up the backup quarterback. That Nick Nick Foles uh, actually replaced the guy, and, and they've got a backup quarterback coming in to to, uh, to uh, have to uh, compete with uh, Sudfeld. So I think quarterback is probably the area they worry about most. If they have a healthy Carson Wentz, that would be great, but I don't think they can depend on that. Mm-hmm. Well, Kevin, you mentioned Joe Douglas. The word broke early today that the Jets had fired their general manager, and the first name that popped up was Joe Douglas. Uh, oh, boy. You see that I, possibly I that happening? Happen. With, with I hope that? that doesn't happen because he's supposed to come to the golf tournament and we're counting on him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might not happen before a couple weeks, but – yeah, his name was first to pop up, and apparently him and uh, Adam Gase have a relationship already, and uh, it kind of it, it makes the rumor mill look good anyway. Well, without a doubt. You know, he's uh, he is a solid, solid guy. Uh, what you see is what you get from him, and there's not enough guys like that in the league. Um, and I'm not the least bit surprised that somebody would be after him for a GM job. Kevin, do you know what the breakdown is? You know, how much of what the Eagles do is Howie, how much of it is Joe Douglas? I know, you know, Joe is certainly very involved, but uh, is it more Joe or is it more Howie? You know, I don't have the answer to that, but I'll tell you what, those two guys probably work as well uh, together as um, uh, any, you know, combo in the National Football League. They are really in tune. You know, Howie's the guy that takes care of the money, knows how the cap works, knows how to, you know, what the loopholes are in the, te- in, in the cap, knows how to restructure uh, salaries and all that kind of stuff. And Joe is just your excellent, excellent uh, scout that really knows talent and has some guys working for him because he can't cover everything that knows talent. And I'll tell you what, they, uh, you just watch what happens this year when it comes to the final cutdown with the Eagles and how many of the guys they cut on the final day are picked up immediately on the waiver wire. That tells you a lot about the, you know, the the uh, uh, kind of talent that Joe Joe Douglas and Howie have when they're de- dealing with uh, athletes. Hey Kevin, the, uh, we talked about the draft for just a minute. How did you like the pick, uh, especially the first two or three picks? Um, going offensive line with the first one, running back with the second one, wide receiver. They're certainly. Uh, Stacking that offense up for Carson Wentz, trying to give him all the weapons he needs. Well, without a doubt, and uh, I love the first-round pick. I love the second-round pick. I think the, I think the kid from Penn State, um, you know, has just ha- has not been had a lot of touches. He, he's like having a car that's only got fifteen thousand miles on it. I think he's got a lot of potential. Uh, he does a lot of things well. I love the first two picks. I wasn't in a- enamored at all with the third pick that is a stretch for me as a wide receiver and that guy is an athlete they could have gotten him later and um i was really really hoping that they were going to pick up the defensive back from the university of delaware uh, who went three play, three uh um three slots later um i'm trying to think of adderley this kid adderley he i've yep. watched him for four years against villanova and a couple other times that I've been down in Delaware Stadium. He has started. He's 205 pounds. He is the throwback safety. He has the kind of skill sets, and I'm not saying he could be a Brian Dawkins, but he's got a lot of those skill sets. Hey, Kevin, I want to get back to uh, Miles Sanders because I am a Penn State alum, so (laughs) I had to throw that in there. Uh, How do you see the running back situation breaking down? Uh, They have Sanders, they have Jordan Howard, Corey Clement, of course, coming back. Uh, The other holdovers, they got a lot of guys who can run the ball now. 
I think we lost Kevin. Well, I hope not. We did. Well, we will have to get him a call back. We did. He dropped the call. Yes, call has. I, was, was it something I said? Was it the Nittany Lion roar that scared him? Maybe I don't know. Nope, there he is. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> uh, he's, he's back. I, I think the lion scared you I, off. No, every once in a while I fumble this phone, and when I do it with one hand, <laughs> I never know what I'm going to hit. <laughs> okay. Um, so, the running backs. Yeah, what do you see? How do you see that breaking down? All those running backs. Well, I tell you what, it's going to be very competitive, and and um, uh, I really believe that uh, they've got. This is. I was just saying, this is the group of guys that when you see them release them, watch how quickly they get picked up. Um, they're all got you know potential. They're all pretty healthy. Uh, I think it's, and I think competition is really great uh, for the Eagles in this situation because it brings out the best in players. Uh, this kid Adderley that I was talking about, he's 205 pounds. He can cover. He can tackle. I really love his tackling ability. They need somebody that can put, you know, people on their back. And um, he went three picks later. And I was on the phone, uh, you know, with our good good buddy Ray Dittinger. Um, I don't know why Ray was texting me. I said, yeah, I saw this coming up, and I knew Adderley was still on the board. And I said, Boy, I hope they get Adderley next. And he goes, I'm hoping it too. He liked him also. And we both scratched our head when they picked the wide receiver. But we'll see. You know, I don't know what they're going to do with Aguilar. I'd like to see them keep him. I think he's really coming into his own right now. He's got some confidence. I can tell you this, nobody works harder than him. He may work maybe a little bit too hard sometimes and puts pressure on himself. Like the time he got the yips with dropping some balls, I think it was just all self-imposed. But he's got the speed, and I think he really came a long way last year. Um, defensively, I'm really happy with the linebacker that they got. You know, the back up the middle, and probably the guy will probably end up starting. And um, I think the biggest, you know, challenge that uh, Doug Peterson has, and by the way, guys, he is he's committed to coming to the golf tournament this year. We're really happy right. about that. I think that um, I think his biggest probably concern is, you know, people have been stealing his coaches. And, you know, um, when you have to replace defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators and quarterback coaches, it kind of wrecks up your momentum and your synergy. So, you know, he's got to deal with that also. But there's a lot of talent, you know, coming back in that team. And I guarantee you they're going to be, um, as, as you get the Las Vegas odds going forward, I think they're going to be right up there in the top six or seven teams, you know, to be aware of. Well, Kevin, talking about Carson Wentz, I think you know. I think we all have these high expectations, maybe maybe too high expectations of Wentz. Um, it, do you think this offense is going to be set up, even with the running back by committee, that's probably going to happen, even with Miles Sanders, that this team's going to come out throwing that ball 70, 80 percent of the time, or you think they're going to work towards some balance? You know, that's a good question. Um, I think. Uh, I think they'll. I think they'll probably try to run the ball a little bit and see how Sanders does and how the you know running, running back by committee works. And um, Deuce Staley does a pretty good job with keeping those guys in at the right time, giving them a blow when they really need it. Uh, I think if they're successful running the football, they that will really take some pressure off of Carson Wentz. And you know, some people that that, that uh, really, you know, were upset about his season last year. I got to tell you, you know, I don't think the guy was totally healed. I can, I talked to several orthopedic surgeons. Uh, by the way, guys, I spoke to 800 orthopedic surgeons in Orlando last week. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I got to the podium and my knees were shaking because I knew I had the lowest <laughs> SAT scores in the whole room. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> but um, a couple of orthopedic surgeons told me that, even if the leg is, is 95% healed from that operation that he had, and he had a, he had a bad tear, uh, ACL tear, that it really takes you mentally uh, and another good three or four months so you feel comfortable and you're not, you know, uh, favoring it and putting pressure on another part of your body. And I think that's exactly what happened to him with getting his back hurt. Um, he didn't look like the Carson Wentz that we've seen before. He just wasn't totally healed. And I know that he wanted to come back. He was chafing at the bit to come back. But uh, he's just going to have to take care of himself a little better, you know, going forward. Yeah, that's a concern of mine. I mean, he's had injuries the last four seasons of one type or another, going back to his senior year of college and then the preseason of his rookie year. So 
Let's hope he can stay healthy for the entire year. Kevin, I want to switch gears just a little bit. The Eagles have a game in Miami this coming season, and for those who don't know, you were drafted by the Dolphins in 1973, a few months after they completed their perfect season. I know you didn't stick with Miami, but what was it like being with Don Shula, Larry Zonka, Nick Buonacani, and those guys that summer? Well, I want to tell you something. I'm 22 years old. I walk into the locker room the first day. Uh, you know, they they didn't have any OTAs then, so, you know, it's the whole team together. And there's 22 rookies, and we're vying for two slots. And as I tell people, when I was in high school, I was very dominant. When I was in college, I was dominant. And when I got to the Miami Dolphins, I was seldom dominant. Um, at 22 <laughs> years old, I looked around that room, and I go, there's Larry Zonka, there's Mercury Morse, there's Jim Kick. There's Bob Greasy. Oh, my gosh, there's Earl Marl. I've been watching him since I was six. Uh, there's Larry Little, Bob Kuchenberg. I'm just going through this. Like these, these are guys that I was reading about in Sports Illustrated, you know, when I was a junior at Salazi Adam High School, and now I'm in the locker room with them, and I really got intimidated. I was uh, worried that, you know, I wasn't going to perform well. I was worried if I could – hold up to the standard. Those guys were coming off an undefeated season that year. Uh, Shula wasn't waiting for anybody to catch up. The defense was very, very complicated, and I was playing on my heels. In the first five days, I impressed nobody. And I finally made a phone call home to my dad, and I was kind of like thinking, like, why would I want to go through ten more weeks of this when I know that my chances of making the team are slim to none, and Slim just walked out the door. I was their seventh-round draft pick. That means they had six guys that they thought were better than me to be, you know, to bring into camp. But to make a long story short, with a long talk with my dad, I decided the next day I was going to go out and make something happen. And if you want to get the coach's attention, and I had plotted this out, the way to make something happen is to start a fight, especially if you're a defensive guy. And they were already pushing this around, taking cheap shots, this, the, the veterans. They wanted no part of the rookies making the team uh, or any of us replacing one of their buddies who they just won a Super Bowl with. So I decided, hey, if you're going to start a grass fire, why not start a, a forest fire? I decided that I knew that if I picked on a veteran, we had two-and-a-half-hour practices, and nobody wanted to waste a whole lot of time fighting. But I knew somebody was going to take a cheap shot at me in the first half hour, and sure enough, the guy who did it was Larry Zonka. And I got up from the pile swinging at him. And I made sure I had my, my chin straps buttoned double on both sides because I knew that this, I was going to get, you know, the worst of this deal. But I figured it won't last long. He's not going to waste a whole lot of energy with two hours of practice going. But believe it or not, it, we lasted about 30 seconds, the two of us wailing at each other and pushing and shoving, and they broke it up. And um, that was the day that I got a little respect. And then from there I got a little confidence. And I ended up, you know, making it through 10 weeks of, of practice with them, and I was the last guy released uh, and, you know, was picked up by the Eagles, which turned out to be fortunate for me. But what an experience being with the Super Bowl team and being with those guys. And I'll tell you, Zonka and Kick were two characters. There are, you, you guys have both read my book. I wish I could have put the stories in about those guys, but they would have sued me. You know, they were, <laughs> they were real characters. Uh, and... Um, I can remember we had a run, a 12-minute a run uh, when we got down there. And Zonka was running at the pace of a 70-year-old, and Kick was right there with him. And Shula thought they were embarrassing, went over and screamed at Zonka for uh, running that slow, and he better pick it up. And Zonka said, I can't. I've got, uh, I've, I've got um, allergies. And Shula didn't know what to say to him. He says, well, what's your excuse, Mr. Kick? And he said, he needs company. <laughs> and I thought, you would never talk to a college coach like this. That's Don Shula. Those guys, they really don't care. But um, I, see, uh, I see Larry Zonka from time to time. He's, uh, well, he's still, I tell you, he, he was one of those guys that had the highest threshold of pain that I've, I've ever seen in a ball player. Nothing seemed to phase him. <laughs> You know, we would get those big raspberries on our elbows from that polyturf down there at the Orange Bowl, and they would spray you with methylate or mercurochrome. And every time they did that to somebody, you'd have to do a little Irish jig because it stung so bad. He had two major ones on his uh, elbows after the second exhibition game because he played the whole game because that's how Shula got him in shape. And they went over and sprayed methylate on him. I said, boy, is he going to jump off that chair? 
And all he did was sigh, and I went, holy mackerel. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's threshold of pain is beyond my limit. So anyway, it was really a thrill to play down there, quite an experience. Awesome. Well, hey, Kevin, let's talk about your book. I think the last time you were here, the hardback was just coming out, I believe. Um, how has it gone? Sales still good? And uh, any any plans for volume two? Well, you know, uh, it's funny you should ask because we uh, just about a month ago we passed the four thousand mark on selling the book, and the hard copy is doing real well, especially after I do speaking engagements. And um, I have to send you guys uh, well, when you guys come up for the tournament. I got two new copies for you because we updated it a little bit. I added a, a chapter called Philly Philly, and it talks about right. the. Uh, that, that play in particular, and it talks about, uh, you know, with the Eagles winning the Super Bowl and Villanova basketball winning the NCAA tournament, you know, um, I just thought it was unique that there was a very – there was a lot of commonalities there, you know, underdogs. Team team was above anybody that was, uh, you know, uh, uh, anybody that wasn't a team player. So team – no individuals were, were really, uh, you know – playing hard or, or not playing hard, but, but were important. It was the team effort. Uh, they had the fans behind them because they were underdogs and they had two good coaches who understood how to coach men. And I thought these were a lot of commonalities. And I say, how do I tie this up in a nice little bow at the end? And it dawned on me. And then I did some research. Do you know that it's the first time in the history of those two events that happened in the same year anyway, that the most valuable players were both second string ball players. Nick Foles was the second-string quarterback, and Dante DiVincenzo came off the bench to score 31 points and, you know, be the MVP. So I thought that was interesting. So that was one of the new things in the book, and we did colored pictures. We have hardcover now, and it's selling extremely well. Awesome. The book is Tackling Life, and it would make a great gift for uh, Father's Day next month, so keep that in mind, everybody. Come on on to my website. You can order it right off my website now, Kevin Riley. great. Dot com, and you push a button, and we'll, we'll take your credit card there, and I'll mail it to you, and I'll personalize it. Nice. And, Kevin, you uh, mentioned uh, the golf tournament. You're talking about the Dick Vermeil Golf Tourney coming up in June. You mentioned Doug Peterson is going to be there. Do you have a lot of other former Eagles coming to uh, check you out and hang out? Ron Jaworski will be there. We've got Tom Lucan coming in, uh, Harold Carmichael, Mike Quick. Um, we've got some uh, – Ricky Vitalico from the Phillies is coming in. You'll like that, Chet. Um, Leslie Goodell, we have a couple ladies. A- Amy Amy Fadul's coming. we got a couple ladies that are playing this year, trying awesome. to, you know, you know, uh, keep it diverse. And um, uh, who else? Uh, Eric Hicks is coming in. Uh, a couple of the Rams are coming in. Dante Hall, to be one of them, is coming in, one of Dick's. A wide receivers. I think Dante could still run a four seven forty. He looks like he's in great shape. So we've got about thirty five celebrities, and we'll probably try to get a couple more because you know how those guys like just to ride around in the carts. Some of them don't want to play anymore or can't play, and uh, you know what it's like. It's just a big, big party, and we start the night before with a, a dinner at Vermeil Host, and it becomes a love fest. So, <laughs> well, everybody's looking forward to it. All right, me too. And Chet, too. Hey, Absolutely. Kevin, I have one final question for you. You mentioned Villanova and the Eagles, and I know you have a tremendous respect for Jay Wright and what he has done at Villanova. And I, I just have to ask you uh, kind of your thoughts on that and how he has turned that university's basketball program into just something spectacular, Pro- probably a top five or ten in the country. Well, without a doubt. And you know what? It- I could never sum up in a short period of time of how that man has learned lessons like you should in life and after he's made mistakes and just has almost made the perfect process now for college basketball. You know, this is a guy that for the first time he had a one and done guy uh, two years ago. And, but he gets, you know, he gets ball players that are going to be with the program two, three, sometimes four years. I think he's got eight guys in the pros right now playing. And he will never – the one time he told me that they got into the final four and was the first time in his recruiting years 
that he had, he had players coming to him that wanted to come in, guys that he couldn't touch before. You know, you get in that final four and you really, you really market your, your program up. And he said he made some concessions on his process for bringing kids into the, to the school. And he said he'll never do that again. Some of them were great athletes, but they didn't fit Villanova basketball's you know, um, process the way he wanted it. And he's been true to that. I mean, he makes these kids promise him that when they come in, if they do get drafted, they will get their college degrees. He's up in the 90 percentile with the kids getting their college degrees from that program. And you talk about there are no eyes in team. He makes sure that that is a team that works together and they become family. I'm, you know, up there doing the football games and I, get to watch him practice sometimes when I, you know, before I have to broadcast the football games and I just watch him on the court. Fortunately, he allows me to come in and watch and he is a teacher par excellence and he really knows what he's doing. But I think the thing that, that I admire most about him is he cares about the kids and they know that uh, Dick Vermeil's got a saying that I think he stole from somebody, but it, it goes something like people don't care about how much, you know, until people know about how much you care. And once you've mastered that as a leader or a coach, you will have young players go through a wall for you. They'll do anything for you. And uh, Jay has that kind of respect. The other thing I love about him, guys, he'll never forget where he came from, no matter what you know level he rises to. And I think it was just proven UCLA, or is it UCLA or USC? One of the UCLA, UCLA yep. offered yeah. him $7.2 million. They wanted to double his salary. And people said, oh, he's going to be gone. I said, not, not yet. He's, he's not going anywhere because he's got a program that he loves. He loves the school. Uh, his wife went to school there. And, you know, why would he want to leave that? He's not into the money piece of it, which is really unusual. Fantastic. All right, All Kevin, right, well, we have run out of time, my man. We always appreciate you coming by, and uh, it's always great, and it always goes too fast. All right, man, I'll talk to you guys later. and. Uh, Pray for good weather on the 18th of June. <laughs> We're right. hoping. We'll see you, you then, Kevin. All right, Kevin, All right, thanks. I tell you every week, there's a lot to love about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn. It starts with the food and drink, of course. A terrific menu, plus lunch specials, dinner specials, happy hour specials, and always 24 beers on tap. Trivia every Wednesday evening, a DJ every Friday night. And this Sunday, the 19th, the duo Well Strung will be there at 3 p.m. for an acoustic Sunday performance. Oh, and there's a paint party Tuesday evening, the 21st. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn. Check their website, Irish Rover Station House. Hey, Chad, let's talk some Sixers. Uh, As we said, the seventh game was there for the taking. The Sixers couldn't get it done. Brett Brown, as we mentioned, already back in the fold for next season. What was your impressions of game seven and – and where we've gone so far in just a few days. You know, it pains me to talk about Game 7, but I guess we have to. Um, I was pretty miserable Sunday night, Bill, i got to be honest. Missed opportunities, lots of frustration with the final few possessions, the shot clock violations, and, you know, of course, the final incredible shot by Kawhi, that quadruple doink that ended it. It was a, a tough way to end the season, but, you know, I, I think they did make some progress over the last, few weeks and months of the season once all the guys were there together the the superstars i know we bring it up all the time but they did they only played 21 actual games together those five starters and you know hopefully at least the big guys will all be back next year tobias and jimmy among the free agents uh we'll see about jj uh you know i would have loved to have seen them playing tonight against milwaukee that was the goal it didn't happen but as you know, I was a Brett Brown guy. He was not perfect, but I don't know who's a better choice for this team right now, so I'm glad they brought him back, and I want to see you know him get a full year with, hopefully, this core back again next year. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think he probably deserves the right to get back. I guess the thing that's troubling to me, Chet, is the fans, and, and, and matter of fact, uh, you were probably one of them, but that's okay. Uh, because I didn't, I didn't actually hear you say that this – this week about playing and beat out of position and playing and beat up in the three point range rather than down in the paint. 
And all of a sudden, he's been playing there for two years, and all of a sudden, that night, Brett Brown is a dope because Joel Embiid is playing at the three-point line. Um, you know, that's not changing in one night. I mean, that was their philosophy. That's what they went with, and they lived or died with it because Embiid couldn't hit the ocean from a boat uh, from three-point land, and it ended up probably killing them. But that was the style they played all year. Yeah, I think they should have mixed it up more, certainly. I, I do agree with the critics who said he should have been down low a lot more in that final game. But, you know, I think the reason he wasn't, I think he was just gassed. I think he was, you know, pretty tired. And it's tough when you're underneath battling these other big guys. I think that's part of the reason he was outside so often. Yeah, it's a shame he wasn't hitting the threes that night. But he's got to get in better shape, got to be better conditioned, and so they can mix it up. You know, have him down low, sometimes have him on the perimeter because he can shoot the threes. But, yeah, as a seven-footer, you do want to see him under the basket a lot to get more of those rebounds because that was one of the things that killed them, the offensive rebounds. Toronto had like 16. The Sixers had, what, five or something like that. Toronto got off something like 26 more shots, thank largely because of the offensive rebounds, and yet they only won by – two points on that miraculous shot at the end. So, yeah, there are some things that have to change with MB. There are some things that have to change with Brett Brown. He's got to get a little more variety into the offense. So lots of things to work on this offseason, that's for sure. Well, yeah, and I think one of the things they have to start with, besides all the guys they have to get under contract, um, they've got to build some bench. Um, you know, they they ran that thing with pretty much seven guys, uh, in the last handful of games, and and to him, and I'll go to Embiid and say he was maybe he was gassed because he really was sick in some of those games he played earlier in the week. Yeah. Um, they, you know, he gave it a gallon effort, but maybe he just wasn't ready to go. Uh, you know, from from the illness. But I said this last week. We talked about this. Uh, you know, when you start questioning the team's effort, that's a really bad thing. I don't think you can question their effort in Game 7. I think Toronto was more tenacious than them and more aggressive than them, but I don't think that was Sixers' effort. They just didn't have quite the effort as the other team, but they certainly played hard, and that's a that's a positive. Yep. And, hey, before we move on and uh, talk about insurance and talk uh, to Marissa Magnata, uh, I know a lot of people aren't crazy you're in love with Howard Eskin of WIP but I got to give the guy credit on this one front he's the one guy who had the guts to ask Ben Simmons about the whole shooting thing he kind of challenged him and for those who didn't hear it here's a uh, little exchange 45 seconds worth Howard Eskin asking Ben Simmons on Monday about his unwillingness to shoot Ben uh, you said you wanted to take your game forward how much do you think taking more jump shots or even taking shots uh, from the perimeter is important to improving your game? Uh, it's important. It's very important. How are you going to work on it? Repetition. Okay. Has that happened this year? And You took five shots last night. Do you think in this situation with this team and who you are, you need more than five shots and some of them have to be from the perimeter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you going to do that? How am I going to do what? Shoot more from the perimeter. <laughs> I don't think it's just taking shots just to take them. I think it's just being aggressive and, and doing my job. So I don't think it's any certain shot. But when you give me the ball, I'm able to make plays. There you go. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it may not have been the best timing for that, but uh, because obviously Ben's answers were very short and sweet. But uh, Ben is 22 years old. I think people forget that. And when you're 6'11", uh, you probably haven't been challenged a whole lot to have to stand outside and take 20-footers. Uh, you're pretty much dominating everywhere else. So certainly he needs to work on his game, and uh, and, and he'll get better, I believe. Yeah, I, I think he will. But it just kind of bothers me that he just won't really fess up to this whole shooting thing, and he gets really annoyed and ticked off when anybody goes anywhere near asking him about that. So I know he's young. I know he's going to get better. But – I really want to see some of those results soon, like this October. So yeah. get to Well, it, he's just a kid, just a kid. Remember, yeah. that, hey, one more Sixers comment yet. Did you see the Charles Barkley, Joel Embiid uh, back and forth? I did not. I, I heard about it, uh, but I didn't actually see it, so I didn't. Well, Charles, Charles had some criticism for Embiid, 
Um, and MB didn't like it. And they had a little going back and forth, I guess. And Charles said, hey, you didn't make any comments when I said that you were going to be one of the greatest players in the history of the game if you could stay healthy. And you didn't say anything about that. Now I criticize you, and you deserve it, and you can kiss my ass. <laughs> Good for Charles. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Charles doesn't play. He says it how it is. All right, Ted. Hey, speaking of insurance, let's talk about it. If you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we got the spot for you. All-state insurance in Westchester, PA. Yeah, absolutely, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an all-state insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who's dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. So call Allstate agent Dave Lavoie in Westchester, 610-430-0700. Again, 610-430-0700. All right. That is not Stevie Nicks. Hey, Chet, you introduced Marissa Magnata earlier. Uh, You had a chance to sit down with her to discuss her Philly sports fandom yesterday. Tell us all about it. Well, Bill, uh, I've gotten to know Marissa a little bit through my appreciation of WMMR, the radio station. I've met her and talked to her probably a dozen times over the last five or six years, and I've been trying to get her to do a little interview with me for about a year and a half. Now, in the meantime, of course, we talked to three of her colleagues for our show, Nick McElwain and Casey Boy from the Preston and Steve Show, and Jackie Bam Bam, the king of the nighttime world. And when I saw Marissa in November or December, she promised me she would make it happen the next time I asked, and she was true to her word. So we had a real good chat about sports and music and a couple of big events the radio station has coming up. Hey, guys, it's Marissa from the Preston and Steve Show. We are having a blast. Most people know that I'm a big fan of 93.3 WMMR, so it's a pleasure to welcome this guest to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. She's the associate producer of Philly's top-rated morning program, the Preston and Steve Show, Marissa Magnata. Hey, Marissa. Hey, Chad. Thank you so much for having me on today. Oh, it is my pleasure. Believe me. Now, lots going on at MMR, which just celebrated its 51st birthday, and we'll talk about some of that shortly. But first, I know you're a big Philly sports fan. Are the Eagles number one on your list? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think month by month it might change a little bit, depending on the season. But if it goes down to it, I bleed green. Yeah. Now, we were all pretty happy, of course, about that Super Bowl 52 title. Do you have faith that the mm-hmm. Eagles will get back there a couple of more times over the next five or six years? I think we got a shot. I think the locker room is going to have a lot of excitement, a lot of energy this year. Do I think this year's the year? I don't know. Do I want to believe it is? Hell yes. Got to believe, got to believe. Hey, <laughs> being there at MMR every morning, you get to meet and talk to lots of current and former Philly athletes, from Claude Giroux and Bernie Perrant to Connor Barwin and Jason Kelsey. Who are some of your favorites that have come into the studio? Oh, my gosh. Okay, I'm so glad you asked me this. This is possibly my favorite story ever in radio. I'm going to put all the listeners into the moment. Okay. It's February 2009. Philly's just won the World Series. Remember what it felt like to not have any championships going on in Philadelphia. We had a random band called the Honey Brothers in our studio. The only reason we had them was because Adrian Grenier from, oh my gosh, what was the show with uh, Ari on HBO? Entourage. Entourage, uh, yes. Adrian Grenier, the lead in that show, was the drummer for this band. So we had them in. And because every athlete loved Entourage, we called every athlete we knew. Well, there was one athlete who was in town, and it was Shane Victorino. And he came by with a couple of guys from the Phillies. And our studio space is so casual. People just roll in and out. Well, for this day in particular, we must have had 25 people in the studio ready to watch us, plus a full band, drum kit, everything. Out of the blue, the door opens. Shane Victorino walks in. It's during a commercial break, and suddenly everybody just looked over to the door and started applauding out of the blue. <laughs> That's it. Nobody knew what to do. You just started applauding because a World Series champion had just walked into our studio, and he was so humbled by it. And Shane has remained such a great guy since we talked to him. Just the other day, he was in town ringing the bell for the Sixers with mm-hmm. Charlie Manuel, and he is on a list of athletes some of which you've named, Jason Kelsey, Brent Selleck, Bo Allen. All these guys have been so nice to the show over the years, and I think we just, you know, we're fun to hang out with. We don't attack these guys. Oh, by the way, I love the pick of you and 7'3", Boban Marjanovic. He looks twice as tall as you. 
<laughs> I felt so bad right after that photo. He had been, like, standing under a, a spotlight for a few mo- minutes while mm. people were grabbing photos with him. But he was, like, on display, and it was making him sweat bullets. <laughs> so he really was just trying to get away from the spotlight, which is a normal light for any of us. But such a nice guy. was so kind and, and wanted to take photos and smile and talk to anybody in the area. Yep. Hey, the Phillies are doing pretty well. They've been inconsistent, but they are in first place. Still, a lot of fans are not fully on board with Gabe Kapler. What's your take on the Phillies manager? Hmm, I'll be honest, I was skeptical at the beginning. I thought he was you know, kind of a nice distraction for the team. We needed something. You know, last season, there just there wasn't that shining star, and there wasn't necessarily, you know, somebody to go out and talk to the media. So Gabe was that guy. But the team has trusted him to bring in all these guys, and, and hopefully he's been part of the reason that some of these guys have come here. You know, I've been hearing stories that, you know, he lured Bryson with his restaurant recommendations and whatever else it may be. But whatever it took, he has been able to put together a great squad. So my face is there. All right. Anyone who listens knows that the Preston and Steve show is great radio, but you guys don't just show up at 6 a.m. and start talking. How much preparation (laughs) goes into putting a a four-and-a-half-hour radio show together, and what's your role in it? Surprise listeners, we show up about 5.58 and start talking. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. We really stick to the idea of save it for air. You know, Preston leads the show with very equally with Steve. They'll kind of toss topics back and forth. And just in chatting about something for five to ten seconds, we can decide whether it's worth talking about or not, whether the excitement is there. But then we just leave it there. We don't talk about it any further. We just bring up the topic when the microphones crack and see what goes on. Now, behind the scenes, there's a lot going on. I mean, right now it's late afternoon and I'm still here at work just working on podcasting and sharing everything that we did talk about today with the outer internet space, everybody who's out there. I never know the cool word to call the inner internet these days. But I get so excited with the great conversations that we do have that I want to make sure those people who maybe weren't near radio or, you know, couldn't have their phone streaming at the time get to see it later in the day and time shift listening later on. So we're working on that. Plus, we always have some sort of crazy stunt or live broadcast that we're planning. Um, we have Keenan's coming up, which our friends from Coors Light invite us down to Keenan's in North Wildwood for our annual Eggs with Peg broadcast, which is always the Friday of Memorial Day weekend. Ooh, there's always some crazy things that we plan for that. Marissa, one of my favorite events is coming up this Saturday, the 18th, the MMRBQ. I've been to the last five. Great lineup every year. Who's on tap this year to perform? All right. My top pick for this show is going to be Joan Jett. She is my favorite. I've never seen her in my life. She is playing along with Shinedown, The Struts, Evanescence, Fozzy, which of course has Chris Jericho as their lead singer, Gloria Sons, Bad Wolves, and Jackson's local shot, Survivor. So this lineup is pretty damn awesome, and it's the first show at the BB&T Pavilion for the season, so it's always fun to kick it off. I've seen the Struts seven times. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. I've seen Shinedown at the M Barbecue three years ago. I've never seen Evanescence. Or Joan Jett, so I'm really looking forward to both of those. Can't wait. I'm so excited you're excited about the Struts because they are one of my favorite bands live. Every one of these bands brings something different to the stage, and the Struts, if you've never seen them before, I almost don't want to ruin it. They just bring this presence to the stage, and every time you see them, because they did start as such a baby band, they just keep growing and growing, and their pyrotechnics and everything are growing with them, too, and their costumes and their catalog. So worth the price of admission. Yeah, Luke is amazing. You mentioned Keenan's, the 24th. You're going to kick mm-hmm. off the summer down in North Wildwood. I have never been to that summer kickoff broadcast, but I know it's a wild time. What goes on there? Insanity. Nick dumped the mystery item into his underwear. Insanity is what goes on. You always wonder, like, why do people come back? It's a tradition for so many people. And then I always remind myself that there's going to be somebody turning 21 who's been listening to this broadcast, and they can finally attend. And that's what I'm so excited about when Preston stands on stage and asks, who in the audience is there for the first time. Because every year we're surprised by more and more people who finally show up, maybe more and more people who finally wake up in time, because I feel like a lot of people have intentions of going, but maybe oversleep because they drank too much the night before. Mm -hmm. But it is crazy. It's a spectacle. We crowd surf people on surfboards around the bar in the past 
I can't even name some of the contests we've done because I don't <laughs> think we can ever do them again. It always gets a little messy and a little sloppy, and it's just a really fun kickoff of the summer. I love it. Marissa, in our final couple of minutes, let's play a game of Fast Five. Five simple questions, five brief answers from you. You ready? Got it. All right. Number one, where did you watch Super Bowl 52, and how special was that win for you? Watched it at James in Logan Square, a restaurant uh, with my friends. I watched it with my dad, and that's what's most special. Just the other day, my friend showed me a video he had found of the Super Bowl. He was just scanning the crowd, and he filmed a hug between my father and I that will just live on in infamy in my heart. Love that. Your all-time favorite Philadelphia Eagle is who? Oh, gosh. Uh, on the spot, I, I don't know. I, you know what? I love Javon Kirst. He was number 93 and maybe one of the coolest guys. And I saw him at Chickies and Pete's on my 21st birthday, and we did a shot together. So just for that reason, my favorite eagle. Number 93. I see what you did there. All right. <laughs> number three, if you weren't working in radio, what would your alternate dream job be? I always wanted to be a photographer. I think I wanted to be, uh, you know, maybe a photojournalist and getting out in the field. Hopefully by now in life I would have transferred that into, you know, Instagram and made millions of dollars somehow just photographing random people on the streets. But probably something behind a lens. I know you're a big Seinfeld fan. Do you have a favorite episode? Ooh, the backwards episode. Hey, how you doing? Oh, hi. Uh, I'm Jerry Seinfeld. I'm moving in. I saw your name on the buzzer. You must be Kessler. Uh, no, actually, it's Kramer. Uh, the fact uh, that they were able to pull that off and just how they tied everything together and made it so beautiful, that was one for the ages. Number five, other than the MMR barbecue, what's the best concert you've been to in the last five years? Last summer, I went to a punk festival in Ohio, and I felt like I was 15 years old again at the Warped Tour. I got to see my all-time favorite band as a kid, and it was Goldfinger, and they were incredible. When I wake up tomorrow, you have changed, because I still feel the same. I was right up front, watched them, and ranted, and the boss tones, and found some young bands like the Interrupters. It was really cool because it was a bunch of 30-somethings feeling young again. Bonus question. You've met him several times, so what's Bradley Cooper really like? Super awesome. We've definitely met him many times over his career and at different points in his career. You know, he was a different guy when he came in studio for The Hangover. Please welcome Bradley Cooper to our show. Or just a few months ago, I interviewed him for Star is Born when he was a little bit more serious about the role and about putting himself out in public, but genuinely a really nice guy. Hey, one other thing. Preston and Steve last month signed a contract extension to stay put at MMR. Does that mean that you're going to be sticking around for a while too, Marissa? I'm not going anywhere. All right. Marissa, as I knew it would be, this was great fun. Thanks for visiting Philly Press Box Radio, and I hope to see you at the MMR barbecue. Hey, Chad, I'll look for you in the crowd. Oh, Billy, are you there? Hey, I was here. I just said that uh, that's good stuff. Yeah, Marissa's fun. She's a lot of fun, obviously, always in a great mood, a lot of high energy, and, you know, she still loves going to concerts and uh, kind of like me. Uh, just loves having a good time. Love Marissa. Yep. Well, and I'm sure you'll be uh, you'll be at that opening event, right? I'll be at the MMR barbecue this Saturday, absolutely. And my pal Denny will be there. And we, we may have an alcoholic beverage or two along the way. Oh, there you go. Hey, Chet, let's talk Phillies. Got some decent pitching again this week, although Aaron Nola struggled a little bit. The bats still aren't rolling. You mentioned your concern about Bryce Harper, but, hey, they're three and a half games ahead still. Yeah, uh, you know, I was going to sing the praises of Jared Eikhoff tonight after, what, three real good starts. Then he gave us a bit of a clunker on Tuesday night. Yeah, Aaron Nola was horrendous on Monday. But on the bright side, Zach Eflin has been terrific, and we can give some high praise to Cole Irvin, who threw seven impressive innings in his Major League debut on Sunday. I know he's not going to do that every time out there, but that's an impressive way to break into the bigs. He gets another start on Friday. Yeah, the Phils are not a perfect team. You know who is mired in that bad slump, but... Bottom line, they're in first place at the quarter turn here. They're on pace for 93 wins, and that ain't bad. No, and uh, i tell you what, Chet. We're going to talk a little analytics here for just a second, all right? Uh-oh. The Phillies okay. are the number three team in, major, or in the National League in runs allowed. 
So the lowest, free from the bottom. So as we are concerned about the pitching, um, and, and I think we probably should be, the bullpen was ragged at times, still guys with no, no spots. Um, but yet they have only given up their, their number three behind number one in Cincinnati, who's only won 18 games, uh, then the Cubs, and then the Phillies in runs allowed. I'm a bit surprised at that. I got to be honest. I mean, because we know there are concerns with the bullpen, but uh, yeah, and you know, Arietta has been off and on. Nola, as we said, has struggled quite a bit this year. He's had three good starts, maybe five bad ones. So yeah, I'm a little surprised about that. And the bullpen is still kind of shaky in my mind. Um, and we we found out yesterday, I guess, that David Robertson's not going to be back right away. He's going to be gone at least another three weeks, probably another month. So that's a big blow because I was counting on him to be back real soon, and now it's not going to happen. Right. Well, and one other stat to throw at you, Chad, along the same lines. With runs scored versus runs against, the differential, the Phillies are plus 37. There is hmm. no one else in the East that's plus. How's really? That? Wow. The Braves are minus 10. The Mets are minus 11. The Nationals <laughs> are minus 29. And the Marlins, well, they're minus 95. Yeah, they don't count. <laughs> right, but I'm so surprised about you, those other three. Yeah, yeah. So their their pitching is not quite as good as the Phillies, and their offense isn't scoring the runs like the Phillies. So, as we said, or I said right from the start, they're going to run away with this NL East, and uh, it's just a matter of time, and they're going to break this thing open. Yeah, and I know Harper will break out of this, and even as bad as he's been the last couple of weeks, here we are, 41 games into the season, so right at the quarter turn, as I said. He's still on pace for 26 home runs and 98 RBI, and that's with, you know, not having a good May at all. And I know he's also on pace for 220 strikeouts or whatever, but, hey, that's life. I think he will get it going. Reese Hoskins has been fine. Um, I'm not overly worried about the offense. So I think they're going to be there all season because I think the pitching is going to be better than – we thought it might be because I'm liking what I'm seeing from Eflin. I know he had a good month and a half uh, around this time last year, but I think Eflin has got it together and Eikhoff really looks good other than last night. So maybe the pitching won't be as bad as I feared. Well, I'm thinking they're going to be more than be there. They're going to run away and hide with this thing here before long. Just wait. Wow. I don't know if I'd go that far, but uh, I, I would love to see it in the East. And we'll see yeah. from there. Hey, all right. Chad, Philly Press Box Radio celebrated our fifth birthday. We rolled out some new shirts. They're smashed. Tell us about them. Yeah, we've sold polo shirts in the past. And then on May 1st, we unveiled these nice new Philly Press Box Radio T-shirts. They are available in sizes medium through 2XL. And it is our red logo on the front and our sponsor's logo on the back. They are available in red. Yeah, red on red. It doesn't work, though. As well as in gray and in black. And get this, you can choose from regular material or dry fit. The prices are 15 bucks for the regular or $17 for dry fit. If you need them shipped, in other words, if you don't live around me or Bill, add $7 for one or $10 if you're ordering two. And we are, as I mentioned last week, actually running out of some of the styles and sizes on our initial run. But I believe you told me we will be ordering more soon. So if you want one that we don't have right now or if you need, you know, a 4XL or 5XL or whatever, we can probably get it for you. You just might have to wait a little longer. That's right. All right. Sounds good. Hey, Chad, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable next week? Bill, next week we have another newcomer and a returnee. The newcomer joining us to talk Phillies baseball is the guy behind Phillies Nation, which has a website, newsletters, daily podcasts, you name it, they have it. His name is Brian Michael. Looking forward to talking to Brian right here about the first place fight in Phils. Also, with the weather turning warmer, finally, we think, uh, joining us for a fourth time to talk about what we can do to get in better shape for summer, maybe look a little better in those swim trunks, Bill, Inquirer fitness columnist and personal trainer, Ashley Blake Greenblatt-Singer. She's got so many names. Ashley Singer. Well, I'll tell you what. she uh, She's always good, and I don't know about you, Chet, but I need to work off a little bit of the winter. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I've been trying to cut down on my food intake of late because uh, I had that little muffin top thing working. I don't like that because i got to look good in the in the swimming pool, you know? Well, you need to look good in those Philly Press Box shirts. <laughs> that too, and you'll see the selfies. 
I promise. There you go. Hey, let's give a shout out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly sports teams and more. There are over t- only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118 Razroom. That's right. PPCC118 Razroom on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Mr. Chesco, how about a parting shot from you tonight? I do have a couple things I think we missed, unless you hit them here at the end. Uh, you know what? I, believe it or not, I did not prepare a parting shot this week, so I'm going to ad-lib this, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, you know I'm a big movie guy and TV guy, and I hate when all these old favorites of mine leave us. And in three consecutive days, that happened earlier this week. On Sunday, we lost Peggy Lipton, who was in the Mod Squad back in the day, and then later on in Twin Peaks. Who didn't love Julie on the Mod Squad? Peggy Lipton, her real name. And uh, she'll be missed. Everybody, of course, loved Doris Day, who lived till 97 before she passed on Monday. Ah, rest in peace, Doris. And then on Tuesday, one of the funniest men in the entire world left us, Tim Conway. Everybody knows him from McHale's Navy back in the day, and then, of course, his long stint on the Carol Burnett show. He did that the Dorf character also after that. Uh, just a funny guy, and I just loved watching him on the Carol Burnett show when he would intentionally try to crack up Harvey Corman and the rest of the cast. Tim Conway, rest in peace. You were one funny dude, my friend. Yes, he was. That's That's for sure. All right. Well, Chad, I just have a couple things, and none of them are Philly sports related, but I found them interesting. One is um, we talk about strikeouts. We were talking about strikeouts with uh, and Bryce Harper. Do you realize last night that Chris Sale for the Boston Red Sox struck out 17 hitters in seven innings? No. Nope. Had a chance to set the all-time record of 20 and got pulled. Um, the Red Sox went on to strike out seven more. Colorado Rockies through 11 innings for a total of 24 strikeouts and lost the game 5-4. Wow. A lot of K's. How about that one? And how about this one? Maximum Security. Remember him? The horse that won almost the Kentucky Derby? Do you realize that by being disqualified that that cost the ownership of that horse $1.86 million? That that ownership has now sued everybody that has anything to do with the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission. It's members, staff, stewards, anybody with anybody. They're looking for some of their $1.86 million back, probably all of it. And on top of that, the, the jockey has also been suspended for 15 racing days for failure to control his mount and make a proper effort to maintain a straight course thereby causing interference with several rivals. How about those rules, Chet? (laughs) Fallout of the Derby. And my final thing, we talk about athletes all the time and and all the great things they do, but you never rarely get to see the the personal side of it. How about the Cubs' Ben Zubrist? Ben Zubrist is... On a family leave of absence because he is getting a divorce. Really? And I don't know that I have ever heard of that before. Um, he has been out for a week, and he is, un, you know, they don't know when he's coming back. Uh, wow. We lose sight out of these guys being humans. And I think this brings back into light that, uh, you know what, it's, it's, it's a tough world out there, and uh, – you know, they have their same problems as all the rest of the people in the world have, too. And uh, I just found it interesting that Ben is on a on a family leave, so he is not with the ball club. Yeah, you don't hear that kind of stuff too often in the sports world. But, hey, we're all human, and we all have to deal with those kind of things from time to time. So, And I think, we, I think we lose sight of the fact that they're human, just like we were talking about Ben Simmons being 22 years old. I think you lose yep. sight of that as well. Exactly. All right. Up, Anything no. else for you, Mr. Chesco, before we shut it down? I'll see everybody at the MM Barbecue Saturday in Camden. It's supposed to be beautiful weather. Going to hear some great rock and roll music. So uh, see you there. Have a great next couple of days, everybody.
All right, and with that, we've reached the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guests, Kevin Riley, Marissa Magnata, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Razroom, and Dave Lavoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chet Chesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, May 22nd at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, and Spotify. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.